Hello there, I'm Justin, and welcome to today's episode of The Pickup Line. Today's going to be an interesting one because we're talking about something that I don't know very much about, but I want to learn more about. Um, And this all came up because of a really interesting story about a particular video game that I am interested in playing right now. Um, So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Cooking Mama, Cookstar, a new Nintendo Switch game, maybe as well as cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and blockchain. Thanks for tuning in today. It should be an interesting one. Let's get into it. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. So I'd like to begin today with an article from September 2015 on a website called pwc.com. This article is called Money is No Object, Understanding the Evolving Cryptocurrency Market. I think before we can get into talking about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and blockchain, at least for me, I had to go back a little ways to fully wrap my mind around this idea of what cryptocurrency actually is and and what that means. And I think this article is going to help me do that. So I'm going to read through some of this with you and just kind of talk through my thoughts. The evolution of cryptocurrency. In recent years, cryptocurrency, and in particular Bitcoin, has demonstrated its value, now boasting, and this was in 2015, 14 million Bitcoins in circulation. Investors speculating in the future possibilities of this new technology have driven most of the current market capitalization, and this is likely to remain the case until a certain measure of price stability and market acceptance is achieved. Apart from the declared price of cryptocurrency, those invested in it appear to be relying on a perceived inherent value of cryptocurrency. This includes the technology and network itself, the integrity of the cryptographic code, and the decentralized network. The blockchain public ledger technology, which underlies cryptocurrency, has the potential to disrupt a wide variety of transactions in addition to the traditional payments system. These include stocks, bonds, and other financial assets for which records are stored digitally and for which currently there is a need for a trusted third party to provide verification verification of the transaction. So I'm going to pause here and 
talk about this for a second because I think this is again I don't I'm not a huge I don't know much about financial uh, endeavors I'm not a big money guy but I think what they're talking about here is the idea that if you want to buy something if you want to pay for something with a credit card or a bank account or make a digital purchase on the internet or do anything really other than handing someone a $20 bill there has to be a trusted third party involved in that in addition to the person buying and the person selling and typically the and and those third parties are banks they are big banks um, that are trusted secured you know FDIC whatever banks that are responsible for verifying the money I guess going out and coming in between the people who are doing those transactions so I think the appeal of a system of cryptocurrency is that you don't necessarily need that third party it's almost like cutting out the middleman in our view and this is the article continues in our view the cryptocurrency market will develop at a pace set by the key participants characterized by likely growth spurts of legitimacy from one or more of these participants in what we call credentializing moments for the market to reach the next phase in its evolution toward mainstream acceptance and stable expansion each of the five key market participants which are merchants and consumers tech developers investors financial institutions and regulators will play a role so this website, and I'll link to it in the description of the episode, has some really interesting graphics and uh, you know visuals to help out with this. Um, and I would suggest that you go look at these things. But I think this is the this is this is the, the basic idea. So cryptocurrency is a general categorical term term for digital currency, currency that only exists digitally, that doesn't have any sort of intrinsic value outside of the digital world. Like for example, uh, when we are when we are negotiating with banks and we are dealing with cash money, ultimately the idea behind that is that it's backed up by by something like gold, right? Like a gold standard um, where you have this real world equivalent of the digital um, purchases that you're, uh, of the digital um, money that you're using. Uh, there's a there's an equivalency of that in, in something tangible. Bitcoin does not have that tangible equivalency. It is something that exists entirely um, in a digital environment and, and that's it. So there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and there's another article uh, from this same website that helps to explain a little bit more what cryptocurrency actually is. And this website, PWC, um, defines cryptocurrency as a medium of exchange created and stored electronically in the blockchain using encryption techniques to control the creation of monetary units and to verify the transfer of funds. Bitcoin is the best known example. So I think the important thing here for me to wrap my head around is the idea that cryptocurrency is not only stored electronically it is created there as well currency is being created a, a it, it's created in these digital environments by a process that i don't really understand yet and that's part of why i'm doing this podcast is to help myself and help you guys try and understand what this is all about um cryptocurrency has no intrinsic value in that it is not redeemable for another commodity like gold so you can't exchange cryptocurrency for gold or any other commodity it has no physical form and exists only in a network of computers its supply is not determined by a central bank 
and the network is completely decentralized. So those are some key characteristics of cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin. The next piece of this to help us understand is how, how this is actually created. You, you have to understand this concept of blockchain. And, and this, is, this is where it gets really confusing because not, you you not only have to understand how finances work and how the economy works, you also have to understand how complex technology works. Two things that I'm particularly not that familiar with. Um, but again, this website has some great info. Uh, how blockchain works. So step one. This is this is the, this is a describing process of the process of blockchain. Someone requests a transaction. So I guess a computer, someone at a computer requests some kind of transaction, and that could be any of the transactions that were kind of listed above. Like it could be um, contracts, it could be uh, you know uh, settling trades, it could be uh, casting a vote for something, it could be the transferring of funds. Um, there's all kinds of sort of applications for this sort of blockchain request. You can do request all kinds of things. Once that request is put in, the requested transaction is broadcast to a peer-to-peer -peer network consisting of computers, and these computers are known as nodes. So imagine a vast peer-to-peer -peer computer network, right? Computers connected to other computers, these nodes. That request is sent to millions, I would assume, of these nodes, these different sort of computers that are all connected. After that, the network of nodes validates the transaction and the user's status using known algorithms. That's a little bit of an ambiguous thing. I don't really know what that means. What is a known algorithm? I'm not sure. Um, but there is some sort of verification process that occurs that verifies the status of the user making the request um, and the transaction. After the validation process occurs, a verified transaction can involve cryptocurrency, contracts, records, or other information. So this is a transactional digital thing happening here. Once verified, the transaction is combined with other transactions to create a new block of data for the ledger. Now this I don't really understand when it says combined with other transactions. I'm confused by what that means, but let's just keep reading. After this new block on this ledger is created, that new block is added to an existing chain of blocks or a blockchain in a way that is permanent and unalterable. So this is a really key feature of blockchain and why people are so interested in it is because these this ledger that exists, this decentralized peer-to-peer -peer ledger of, of blockchain transactions is permanent. Uh, you cannot uh, alter it, change it, mess with it in any kind of way. It is a permanent uh, ledger. From there, the transaction is completed. So, you know, again, I'm just kind of reading, reading this website, and a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm trying to process through it. I'm trying to uh, figure it all out. Um, here, they list some benefits of blockchain. Increased transparency, accurate tracking, a permanent ledger, and cost reduction. And some of the, I guess, sort of like boundaries or, or uh, walls getting into this would be complex technology, regulatory implication, implementation challenges, and competing platforms. But the potential applications of blockchain, you could do things like consumers could use the blockchain to manage fractional ownership in autonomous cars. Um, faster, cheaper settlements could uh, shave billions of dollars from transaction costs 
while improving transparency of financial services. So anytime money is transferred or sent or any of those things, it would reduce the costs involved in that and create a sense of transparency. Uh, apparently you could use blockchain for voting. Using a blockchain code, constituents could cast votes via a smartphone, tablet, or computer, resulting in immediately verifi verifiable results. Um, in the healthcare field, patients' encrypted health information could be shared with multiple providers without the risk of privacy breaches. And again, I don't know why that is. Like, why is this so much more secure seeming than other data systems? Like, what because of this level of encryption that it has? I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means. But I hope as we continue here, some of this will be um, demystified. So this article continues and says, blockchain also has potential applications far beyond Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. From a business perspective, it's helpful to think of blockchain technology as a type of next-generation business process improvement software. Collaborative technology, such as blockchain, promises the ability to improve the business processes that occur between companies, radically lowering the cost of trust. For this reason, it may offer significantly higher returns for each investment dollar spent than most traditional internal investments. Financial institutions are exploring how they could also use blockchain technology to upend everything from clearing and settlement to insurance. Um, because what you have to remember here is that the blockchain, this term blockchain, and I, this is a reminder to myself what this actually is. The blockchain, a blockchain, is a decentralized ledger of all transactions across a peer-to-peer -peer network. Using this technology, participants can confirm transactions without a need for a central clearing authority. So again, this is a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer ledger, like a spreadsheet, basically. Um, this article suggests that we also refer back to that 2015 article that we started with, Money is No Object. So I will link to that, and you can refer back to that because that might be helpful. Um, they also suggest several other uh, resources for deep dives into cryptocurrencies. There's an article, Carving Up Crypto, Cryptocurrencies, Time to Consider Plan B, 10 Questions Every Board Should Ask About Cryptocurrencies, and etc. There's a few more that you can check out here as well. Um, and so I think questions that I have is like, I want to I dive a little more deeply into how these systems actually work. And I want to find a framework to help myself understand this process a little bit more and, and how it works and what it actually means. And so that's going to be what we're going to look into in part two. And in part three, we're going to bring this all back and connect it to a new video game that I'm interested in playing with my, my five-year-old daughter, Cooking Mama. So we're going to get back to that in part three. Stay tuned. As I've been saying this entire time, I am a, a, a total noob when it comes to these ideas. And so I'm, I'm absolutely learning this as we go. Um, so I found a really uh, interesting site here from about four years ago by Amir Rosick. Um, it's on a website called blockgeeks.com. Um, it's a step-by-step -step guide for beginners to what is blockchain technology, and I thought this would be a good read for us here today on the podcast. So um, this, this writer, uh, Amir Rosick, says, the blockchain is an undeniably ingenious invention, the brainchild of a person or group of people known as the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. But since then, it has evolved into something greater. And the main question every single person is asking is, what is blockchain? Is blockchain technology the new internet? By allowing digital information to be distributed but not copied, 
Blockchain technology created the backbone of a new type of internet. Originally devised for the digital currency Bitcoin, the tech community has now found other potential uses for the technology. In this guide, we are going to explain to you what the blockchain technology is and what its properties are that make it so unique. So we hope you enjoy this guide. Um, he continues by saying, a blockchain is, in the simplest of terms, a time-stamped series of immutable records of data that is managed by a cluster of computers not owned by any single entity. I think this is a really tricky concept to wrap my head around. When I think of a computer, right, I think of a, a, a screen, and I think of a, a tower, and I think of my keyboard, and I think of myself sitting at this uh, desk, uh, looking at the screen, typing on the keyboard, moving around the mouse. And I think that is a paradigm in my head of what computers are, because that's kind of what they've always been to me. But in modern times right now, the, the computer, the, the, it's not that. It's, a, it's, it's nebulous. It's amorphous. It's something that exists not in a physical space, but in, a, in just data moving through uh, the internet. Um, so I think that's an important kind of thing to think about. So if we're thinking about this idea of data managed by a cluster of computers, each of these blocks of data, also known as a block, is secured and bound to each other using cryptographic principles. The chain, that's the chain. So blocks of data that are securely bound to one another, that's where they get the idea of a chain of blocks, a blockchain. So what is so special about it and why are we saying that it has industry disrupting capabilities? The blockchain network has no central authority. It is the very definition of a democratized system. Since it is a shared and immutable ledger, the information in it is open for anyone and everyone to see. Hence, anything that is built on the blockchain is by its very nature transparent and everyone involved is accountable for their actions. So I think that's really, uh, we talked about that in the last part, and that's really important. A blockchain carries no transaction cost. An infrastructure cost, yes, but no transaction cost. The blockchain is a simple yet ingenious way of passing information from A to B in a fully automated and safe manner. One party to a transaction initiates the process by creating a block. This block is verified by thousands, perhaps millions of computers distributed around the net. The verified block is added to a chain, which is stored across the net, creating not just a unique record, but a unique record with a unique history. Falsifying a single record would mean falsifying the entire chain in millions of instances. That is virtually impossible. Bitcoin uses this model for monetary transactions, but it can be deployed in many other ways. Think of a railway company. We buy tickets on an app or the web. The credit card company takes a cut for processing the transaction. Blockchains, not only with blockchains, not only can the railway operator save on credit card processing fees, it can move the entire ticketing process to the blockchain. The two parties in the transaction are the railway company and the passenger. The ticket is a block, which will be added to a ticket blockchain. Just as a monetary transaction on the blockchain is a unique, independently verifiable and unfalsifiable record, so can your ticket be. 
Incidentally, the final ticket blockchain is also a record of all transactions for, say, a certain train route, or even the entire train network, comprising every ticket ever sold, every journey ever taken. But the key here is this. It's free. Not only can the blockchain transfer and store money, it can also replace all processes and business models that rely on charging a small fee for a transaction or any other transaction between two parties. I think this is really interesting and you know, fascinating and, and complicated and, and I'm trying to understand it more, but I think what I'm hearing here is the idea that we're, 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 this process through this secure and unfalsifiable and historically accurate transactional history allows for the exchanging of money and services and goods without the need for banks. Um, it's very interesting. Let me continue reading. Here's another example. The gig economy hub Fiverr charges 50 cents, 0.5 dollars on a on a $5 transaction between individuals buying and selling services. Using blockchain, the transaction is free. Ergo, Fiverr will cease to exist. So will auction houses and any other business entity based on the market maker principle. Even recent entrants like Uber and Airbnb are threatened by blockchain. All you need to do is encode the transactional information for a car ride or an overnight stay, and again, you have a perfectly safe way that disrupts the business model of the companies which have just begun to challenge the traditional economy. We are not just cutting out the fee-processing middleman, we are also eliminating the need for the matchmaking platform. Because blockchain transactions are free, you can charge minuscule amounts, say one one-hundredth of a cent, for a video view or article read. Why should I pay The Economist or National Geographic an annual subscription fee if I can pay per article on Facebook or my favorite chat app? Again, remember that blockchain transactions carry no transaction cost. You can charge for anything in any amount without worrying about third parties cutting into your profits. Blockchain may make selling recorded music profitable again for artists by cutting out music companies and distributors like Apple or Spotify. The music you buy could even be encoded in the blockchain itself, making it a cloud archive for any song purchased. Because the amounts charged can be so small, subscription and streaming services will become irrelevant. And it goes further. Ebooks could be fitted with blockchain code. Instead of Amazon taking a cut and the credit card company earning money on the sale, the books would circulate in encoded form and a successful blockchain transaction would transfer money to the author and unlock the book. Transfer all the money to the author, not just meager royalties. You could do this on a book review website like Goodreads or on your own website. The marketplace Amazon is then unnecessary. Successful iterations could even include reviews and other third-party information about the book. 
In the financial world, the applications are more obvious and the revolutionary changes more imminent. Blockchains will change the way stock exchanges work, how loans are bundled, and insurances contracted. They will eliminate bank accounts and practically all services offered by banks. Almost every financial institution will go bankrupt or be forced to change fundamentally once the advantages of a safe ledger technology without transaction fees are widely understood and implemented. After all, the financial system is built on taking a small cut of your money for the privilege of facilitating a transaction. Bankers will become mere advisors, not gatekeepers of money. Stockbrokers will no longer be able to earn commissions, and the buy-sell spread will disappear. So that piece of this article got a little, um, a little futurist, but I think there's some interesting ideas and thoughts there for sure. I mean, you know, it sounds revolutionary, but I think ultimately, what about that piece that cryptocurrency and Bitcoin aren't backed up by anything? Um, I think we saw this happen a few years ago. I don't really recall. I have to go look it up. But I remember there being a big crash in the Bitcoin market, a big currency crash or something happened. So it feels like less secure. I I, I don't know. Um, Anyway, let's continue because I think this is what I was trying to finally get to. How does a blockchain work? So in this article uh, from Block Geeks, this, this author writes, picture a spreadsheet that is duplicated thousands of times across a network of computers. Then imagine that this network is designed to regularly update this spreadsheet and you have a basic understanding of the blockchain. Information held on a blockchain exists as a shared and continually reconciled database. This is a way of using the network that has obvious benefits. The blockchain database isn't stored in any single location, meaning the records it keeps are truly public and easily verifiable. No centralized version of this information exists for a hacker to corrupt. Hosted by millions of computers simultaneously, its data is accessible to anyone on the internet. To go deeper with the Google spreadsheet analogy, I would like you to read this piece from a blockchain specialist. So this is a quote um, that this, this author uh, is quoting. This is from William Mulgaray, a venture advisor, a 4X entrepreneur, marketer, strategist, and blockchain specialist. And he says, The traditional way of sharing documents with collaboration is to send a Microsoft Word document to another recipient and ask them to make revisions to it. The problem with that scenario is that you need to wait until receiving a return copy before you can see or make other changes because you are locked out of editing it until the other person is done with it. That's how databases work today. Two owners can't be messing with the same record at once. That's how banks maintain money balances and transfers. They briefly lock access or decrease the balance while they make a transfer, then update the other side, then reopen access or update again. With Google Docs or Google Sheets, both parties have access to the same documents at the same time, and the single version of that document is always visible to both of them. It is like a shared ledger, but it is a shared document. The distributed part comes into play when sharing involves a number of people. Imagine the number of legal documents that should be used that way. Instead of passing them to each other, losing track of versions, and not being in sync with the other versions, why can't all business documents become shared instead of transferred back and forth? So many types of legal contracts would be ideal for that kind of workflow. You don't need a blockchain to share documents, but the shared documents analogy is a powerful one. Okay, so, so I, I think I get that. Uh, you know, I, I collaborate on Google Docs all the time. 
and you can have 20 people on there all doing things at the same time. And so I guess that's the idea is like, instead of me making a suggestion, sending that Google document to someone else, them accepting it or changing it and then sending it back to me and me and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're all in it at the same time. And that centralized document, that centralized data is being updated and changed continuously. Um, the re- the article continues. The reason why the blockchain has gained so much admiration is that it is not owned by a single entity, hence it is decentralized. The data is cryptographically stored inside. The blockchain is immutable, so no one can tamper with the data that is inside the blockchain. And the blockchain is transparent, so no one can track the data. Excuse me. The blockchain is transparent, so you can track the data if you want to. <sighs> this is very confusing. Um... And clearly, I still have a lot to learn about this. Um, I'm just scanning ahead a little bit here. The blockchain is maintained by a peer-to-peer network. The network is a collection of nodes that are interconnected to one another. Nodes are individual computers that take in input and perform a function on them and gives an output. The blockchain uses a special kind of network called peer-to-peer, which partitions its entire workload between participants who are all equally privileged called peers. There is no longer one central server. Now there are several distributed and decentralized peers. Why do people use the peer-to-peer network? Uh, one of the main reasons is because of file sharing, also called torrenting. Okay, so this is something that I do know about. I've, I used to do a little bit of this a long time ago. If you are uh, if you are to use a client-server model for downloading, then it is usually extremely slow and entirely dependent on the health of the server. Plus, as we said, it is prone to censorship. However, in a peer-to-peer system, there is no central authority. So we're back to this uh, central authority model where there isn't a central authority. And um, and what happens is that instead of having one computer do all of the processing, you're sharing the processing and the, 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 the transactional data processing amongst a bunch of different computers. This is an important point that we're going to get back to in part three. The article continues, as a web infrastructure, you don't need to know about the blockchain for it to be useful in your life. Currently, finance offers the strongest use cases for the technology. Um, International remittances, for instance, the World Bank estimates that over 430 billion U.S. dollars in money transfers were sent in 2015, and at that moment, there is a high demand for blockchain developers. The blockchain potentially cuts out the middleman for these types of transactions. So again, we're coming back to this idea of middleman disruption. Um, And then this article gives some examples of what blockchain could be used for, but I don't really want to get into like specific examples. I'm more trying to get the theory and the ideas about this down here as we continue on trying to understand what all of this actually means. Um, Okay. So a a bit of a recap. What is a blockchain? It's an immutable time-stamped series record of data that is distributed and managed by cluster of computers Who controls it? It's an open blockchain network with no central authority. It is the very definition of a democratized system. It's shared. It's immutable. The information is open for all. The three pillars of this technology are decentralization, transparency, and immutability. And blockchain is used for initially for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, but it's found new use cases in in several industries, including finance, real estate, uh, and health. All right, so moving into the next part of the podcast today, I'll do a quick kind of recap now that I've done some reading and talk a little bit about why I actually wanted to do this episode today. Stay tuned. And so here we are, part three, um, and why I wanted to even do this episode. 
Uh, I've been having a lot of fun this past few weeks with my five-year-old playing a lot of video games. She loves Animal Crossing. Um, she loves a lot of stuff on Nintendo Switch. And one game that... Uh, one, and she also loves to cook. She loves to make cupcakes and cakes and things. And so um, this game, Cooking Mama, uh, came across my radar because I think it would be something fun for her to play. Cooking Mama Cookstar, this new uh, Cooking Mama game being released on the Nintendo Switch. Um, so I looked into this game, and it's had a really interesting couple of weeks. I'd like to point to an article from Insider.com from April 6th, um, which was yesterday, uh, entitled, Rumors that a cooking game was using Nintendo Switches to mine cryptocurrency have lit up the internet. Um, so this article starts off with a, a sort of a, a history of, of the news stories around this particular game, and this is perfect to bring us all up to speed. So first, allegations surfaced on Twitter on Sunday that Cooking Mama Cookstar for Nintendo Switch was using players' Nintendo Switches to mine cryptocurrency. So this was a rumor, 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 which, and I will say right at the bat here, has since been debunked by the developers, um, and we'll get to that in a second. But the rumor was that that this game had code in it that was enabling a, the Nintendo people's Nintendo Switches, of which there are millions and millions out there, to become one of the peer-to-peer -peer sharing uh, computers that we talked about earlier that was verifying and validating transactions across the, the uh, blockchain. From there, the game has also experienced a lot of distribution issues, with the game currently experiencing limited physical availability. It is currently not listed on the Nintendo eShop in the United States. So this was weird because the game was released on the eShop and then it mysteriously disappeared hours later. I managed to snag a physical copy from Amazon before all this blew up, and it's on its way. I'm really nervous about putting it into my Switch and turning it on for some other reasons that I'll talk about in a second, but just to have the thing, it could be an interesting art historical artifact just to have a copy of this game. Um, from here, both the, developer, both the game's developer First Playable and its publisher Planet Entertainment have uh, denied claims that the game is used is being used to mine cryptocurrency. And so we will get into some of the developers' um, reactions here in a second um, and, and talk about kind of what, what they had to say uh, in defense of themselves after all of these, um, all of these allegations. And then Twitter users reacted to the news with bewilderment, making memes and comparing the allegations to other bizarre current events. Um, so this article says, um, they kind of give, give a recap of, of what's been happening with this game. Um, um, This weekend, one piece of news managed to cut through the noise on Twitter by virtue of its sheer absurdity. While it's since been denied by the creators of the game, uh, claims circulated on Sunday that Cooking Mama Cookstar was using players' Nintendo Switches to mine cryptocurrency. The game, which was originally slated for release in March 2020 per a trailer, is currently unavailable on the Nintendo eShop in the United States. On Sunday, a tweet featuring a screenshot from a Discord chat circulated on Twitter spreading claims that the game was using players' consoles to mine cryptocurrency and potentially disseminate user information as well. The rumor went that the activity would lead to a spike in switch network traffic and a severe decrease in battery life and trigger the console to overheat. 
So this was this is where I started to get nervous. Is that is the is this game and the code and the increased network traffic that it is asking for constantly in the background going to cause the game to to slow down and to cause the system to overheat and and be be hurt by this this malicious code? Uh, not really malicious. That might not be the right word. I don't know if it's malicious. Uh, this code that shouldn't maybe shouldn't be in this game. Because um, remember, this is like a, a kid's game. It's a kid's cooking game, right? Um, this article then then goes into uh, uh, some definitions of, of crypto mining currency. And they also cite um, an article from IGN.com, which I wanted to mention here by Joe, uh, Joe Scribbles. Um, Cooking Mama Cookstar creators move to quash cryptocurrency mining speculation. Uh, Joe Scribble says, The developer and publisher of Cooking Mama Cookstar have moved to quash speculation that the game allows for background cryptocurrency mining when running on the Switch. So the... the the, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? The people who made this game uh, have said, quote, The internet is alive with rumors that Cooking Mama Cookstar contains hidden cryptocurrency and blockchain capabilities that are causing the switch to overheat. This is absolutely incorrect. At Planet Entertainment, we explored both blockchain technology and cryptocurrency tokens. Uh, They continue by saying, We looked at these options as a means to allow players to trade in-game assets. However, we only explored the theory behind the concept, not the implementation. Cooking Mama Cookstar, nor any of our other titles in the past or near future, will utilize crypto technology. Um, So that's what they said a couple of days ago on April 5th or 6th. And I saw an article this morning that... um, had more information about this that I'm trying to find now. So the develop the, there was a, an article published on NintendoLife.com um, that uh, through. Uh, Hang on. There was an article published on NintendoLife.com by Liam Doolin and Damian McFerrin around 5.15 a.m. this morning. Um, And in this article, they say, The most recent update to this developing story comes from a developer who claims to have been involved with creating the game itself. Speaking to Screen Rant, the developer, who wishes to remain anonymous, dismissed the cryptocurrency claim, saying this, The statement about cryptocurrency was all buzzwords. The head of Planet Entertainment knows very little about these things. He just put some fancy language to get potential investors um, who like that stuff. As for the crashes and overheating, that would be because the game is made in Unity. By many people working on their first game. It's not the best product, but it made it through several vigorous reviews by Nintendo and Sony. There's no way crypto mining stuff could get through those tests. I doubt anyone at 1P would even be able to make such a thing. Um, so he seems to be, this developer seems to be refuting these claims very, very staunchly. Um, And the developer goes on to say, There is a legal battle between the publisher, Planet Entertainment, and the IP holder, Office Create. Planet Entertainment released the game against a request by Office Create to keep polishing the game, or perhaps even canceling it. At one point, the Japanese official Create clients came to oversee development. An argument started, and the clients were told to go home if they weren't being constructive. Once they found out that Planet Entertainment released the game... 
they used their Nintendo contacts uh, to pull it from the eShop and stop production of cartridges. Overall, everyone at 1P loves the Cooking Mama franchise and did their best to make the best product considering the interference from the higher-ups. I think the game is far from perfect but would have done fine without the publishers stumbling so constantly. Um, so, suffice it to say, this is a crazy story. Um, and there's all kinds of craziness here. And I wanted to really try and more fully understand what was going on here. And so that's why I wanted to do this podcast episode about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and uh, blockchain so that I could understand all the controversy here. The thing I'm most concerned about is this developer saying that the game is not finished and it's not fully polished and the code is so raw and poor that it's going to cause the Nintendo Switch system to overheat potentially and 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 do all kinds of and drain your battery really significantly. So that that that's not good news. And the fact that they've apparently stopped production of physical copies uh, and potentially are going to cancel the game altogether. Um, Having a physical copy of this game would be something kind of crazy to have. So, I don't know. If, if the thing arrives in, from Amazon, I'll, I'll do a special uh, addendum to this episode to talk about it. But um, thank you for tuning in. This episode was a little long, and I'm really sorry about that. Um, but hopefully it helped you gain a better understanding of what I'm trying to learn more about, which is this whole cryptocurrency thing and blockchain. I know I, I gained a little bit of insight into it, um, and I did I did kind of pop into the actual blockchain uh, website. You can go to blockchain.com/explore, and you can actually look in the look at the ledger. Um, it's confusing. I didn't really know what any of it meant, but I looked at it nonetheless. And I'm hoping to kind of continue uh, learning about this. Thank you so much for tuning into the pickup line today. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time.